so ADD tonight. I feel like I need like cue cards for you. Yep. Like next topic, focus, Mo. Wrap up. Nope. <laughs> Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on August 16th, we will be discussing Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince for our Harry Potter reread series. Then on August 23rd, we have a special surprise for you guys. Mo and I read a book called Of Needles and Haystacks by Anne Elizabeth Fryer. And not only will we be discussing the book, but we will also be interviewing the author. We're very excited to share this episode with you guys, and we hope you'll take some time and read the book before the episode drops. That's Of Needles and Haystacks by Anne Elizabeth Fryer. We're also doing a buddy read for Anxious People by Frederick Bachman this month. If you'd like to join, it isn't too late. Just shoot us a message or comment on a post, and we'll add you to the chat. And here's our shameless plug for Patreon. We've got bookmarks, we've got stickers, we've got a mini-series, and a ton more. If you want to find out about all the cool perks, head on over to our Patreon and sign up. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, Ronnie and the Pirate Queen. May your week be full of laughter and good books. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your hosts, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we're doing a book review of a new book that we read that I think was published this year or published last year, beginning... It was published very recently. Last year, I think. Pretty sure it was last fall in 2000. I almost said 2019. 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. This book is by an author that we both highly enjoy, that we have read other of her series, which include Uprooted and Spinning Silver. So who are we talking about tonight, Abby? What book? What? Naomi Novik. That's right. And we are reading her new young adult novel called A Deadly Education, which is the first book of the Scalamance duology. There's only going to be two of them, I'm pretty sure. And what's even super more exciting is that the next book comes out this fall. Yes. In September, right? Yes, September. I can't wait. Like, around your birthday? Like, you're, I know you already pre-ordered it. It comes out, like, late September. My birthday is mid-September. So I pre-ordered it saying to myself, this will be a late birthday present for me. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Um, this was such a delightful book. This is one that was on my 2021 to be read list. And I am so glad it was like worth every single minute of, I listened to it, uh, with my audio app and I loved every single minute of it. Like, I love it enough that I'm like, I got to get through the Harry Potter rereads because then I'm going to download it and listen to this once I'm done with Harry Potter. Though lately, honestly, I've been kind of tired of Harry. Sorry. I just. I do not like, <laughs> do not like Harry in the late books. And yeah, kind of been more into listening to music than listening to Harry wine. Mm, I know those feelings. Trust me. But we only got two more books. Thank goodness. So let's talk about this book. I found some fun facts. I just kind of want to share about Naomi Novik. I just found a few things. For one, she is married with her husband and she has a, a daughter. And I thought that was so cute. And I, I'm like, yay. Uh, so she has a cute little family. One thing I thought was really interesting about her that she participated in the design and development of the computer game Neverwinter Night, Shadows of the Undertide. Sure, sounds great. I don't know how to say that. And from there, she found, so she actually has a master's in computer science 
And she's like, wow, this was so much fun. I actually don't like designing and developing games. I like writing stories. And so her passion of writing came from that job that she took. She won a Nebula Award for Uprooted, which, by the way, guys, if you've not read Uprooted or Spitting Silver, you should. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I mentioned this before, but she read Lord of the Rings when she was six. And then when she was seven, Jane Austen became her favorite author. I knew I liked her for a reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that is a little bit about Naomi Novik. But Abby, tell us about this book. All right. The rules are deceptively simple. Don't walk the halls alone and beware of the monsters who look around every corner. In the Scalamance, you either graduate or you die. And there are no friendships, only allies and alliances. L, though powerful, has no allies. That is until the popular Orion Lake barges into her room and her life. Despite her best efforts to chase him off, Orion hangs around and Elle finds herself drawn in. But is there more to the innocent Orion than meets the eye? Or is he truly as honest as he seems? Abby. Yes? I know I have to wait until the next half, but I want to answer that question really badly. I want to tell you. I want to tell you things, but I'm going to wait. So let's talk about the characters in this book before I start telling you about how I feel about Orion, okay? Okay. All right. First up, we have Gladriel, nicknamed L. Higgins, a 16-year-old sorceress with a powerful affinity for mass destruction, with dark hair and dark complexion befitting of a dark sorceress in the making. We have her mother, Glenn Higgins, who we mostly get to experience in flashbacks. She is Elle's mom, and she's a powerful, independent healer who lives in Wales, which is where Elle is from. We also have the New York Enclave kids. Everybody that we mentioned from here on out is 16 years old, just so you know. We have Orion Lake, who was mentioned in the summary, who has an affinity for combat magic, who rushes into battle with little to no thought for the consequences of his actions. (laughs) We also have... Chloe, who grew up with Orion in New York and who is always hanging around him. And we have Magnus Tebow, another New York enclaver who does not like Elle. We also have some independents who are not part of any enclave. There is Adya, an artifacer track student who has remained indie but has a good reputation for working with other students and making fair trades. She is well-liked among many of the students. We have Yi Lu, a sorceress with affinity for animals and malayus, and she is known for her unusually long hair, which is very strange in the school of man's. And we have Abram, another independent who's looking for an alliance to get through senior year. So that is our main cast of characters and their side friend kick people. We should probably explain what an enclave is before we move on, though. We probably should. Abby, can you uh, tell us what an enclave is and what an independent is? Sure. An enclave is a group of sorcerers and sorceresses who has gotten together and formed basically like a little town. It's a safe haven for the people that are part of their alliance and in the families of that alliance. Versus the independents or the indies are people who are not part of these enclaves. They live on their own. They work on their own and generally don't have the same kinds of resources that the people in enclaves do. People in enclaves are considered more of a higher status, I suppose. Um, In general, so enclaves have a store of power and they can power share between one another. So they generally have more resources. So just like how a big city is going to have usually more money, more people, an enclave has 
more money, more prestige, more power. And generally, they don't have to worry about these monsters called mouths coming to uh, kill them, which is kind of the big danger of the world. Yep. Yeah. And there's also... Trying to think. So enclaves are all over. Most of them are named after the cities that they are based in. So there's New York, there's Dubai, there's Baghdad, there's London, I believe. London, yeah. London, yeah. Forgot about. <laughs> of course, there's London. That's the one that L wants to get into. I think there was a New Delhi one. So th- they're all over. They're all with the major cities. But there's also sorcerers and sorcerers who don't associate with anyone. Um, they're more of an independent which is kind of like Elle's mom, Gwen. She's just a healer who lives in her own little commune of hippies in Wales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, definitely a different take on the me for magic users and magic. Because it is kind of, mm, trying to think, it is set in our time. It's, it's set in modern time. But the students go to the school called the Scarlamance. And there's no teachers, guys, by the way. There's just students. And you go in, you're there from like 11 to 17, right? Six years, seven years? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Um, So these guys are 16. They're technically, they're not seniors yet. I guess they're juniors or fifth years or can't remember what their year structure is like. So yeah, you're on your own from like 11 to 17 in a school that's trying to teach you magic, trying not to get killed. Mm Mm-hmm. So I guess another character is the Scalamance also is kind of like a sentient being building of magic. Yeah, it's kind of a sentient school without teachers. It's very, it's very different. I like how we're like, it's sentient. I think it's sort of sentient, like just the way it acts. I think it has to be. Yeah, I think it has to be. It's making... Some is making his own decisions, mm-hmm. which is kind of scary that you're in a building. And the Scalamance lives outside of time and space in his own little pocket dimension. So, and it's not ruled by anyone um, enclave. So we talked about there's this New York enclave. Well, these are just the kids of the New Yorkers who come in and go to school. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. And it should be noted. There's a reason that there are a lot of independents it's not necessarily because they can't get into an enclave. Some independents specifically choose not to join enclaves because to be part of an enclave, you have to follow their rules and their hierarchy standards and things along those lines. That's part of why Elle's mom chose to be an independent instead of joining an enclave because she's a very powerful healer. A lot of enclaves would have gladly welcomed her, Mm -hmm. but she didn't want to follow their rules. So... Yeah, and she, she really does her own thing, let me tell you. So I would have to say, for me, when I read this, it sounded very original. Like, very, it was for one, it was fast-paced because it's a young adult. But two, it was a different take on kids going to school to learn magic. I mean, we've read that. We've seen that. Harry Potter, obviously, is the main, like, example of that. Mm-hmm. But I thought the magic was really well fleshed out and done. I liked how there are different tracks that you could take. So, like, I can't remember, I guess, mana. Is that what it is that she uses for her crystals are filled up with? I don't know. It's like magic power that she fills her crystals up with. Yeah, we're going to call it mana at this point because I can't remember which one it is. Um, So, 
like there's mana users who use that for their spells. There's artificial artifactors who just build awesome crap. There's also the maintenance track kids, which are keep the school running um, through, and they learn how to do all of that, which is really interesting. And they're just really good at maintaining magical buildings, which means they're very valuable to enclavers because they will maintain the enclave's headquarters, essentially, which are also pocket dimensions. But yeah, I think there's another one. And of course, you have people who are on like the language track, mm-hmm. like Ella's learning a bunch of different languages because the more languages you know, the more possible books you will be given and the more spells mm-hmm. you can learn. Because if you only know one language, well all of the other books that the school has in other languages, mm-hmm. you won't be able to read. So the more spells you know, the better, basically. Yeah. So much cool stuff. Really enjoyed how everything was built, the different classes they had to take. Like for a language class, you're put in a desk and you're basically, the school's like, oh, you're learning Arabic. Fantastic. Here's a worksheet. Enjoy. And you got to turn the worksheet into a little slot and mm-hmm. your hand might get chewed off by a, a mouth, but hey, you turned in your homework at least. So the school is happy that you did. Well, and if you don't complete your work, you're stuck on that particular piece of work until it's done. Like you can't learn anything else until that is done. Mm-hmm. So you better hope you're keeping up. And then while you're sitting there, you're also, the school's telling you these it's, it's talking to you in the language. So you're getting language immersion, but it's telling you these awful stories of death and destruction in this language. So it's like, like the school is intense. This place is crazy. This whole book was a crazy ride of awesomeness. I can't even, I, I know we don't usually go into like this much detail in the first half, but for me, I was, I mean, I love the originality of Uprooted and of, um, Spinning Silver, I read Naomi Novik's other series, the Terramir series, which are Flintlock historical fantasy, I think is how they phrased it. But this was so different. This was so good, and I loved it so much. I remember texting Abby like, girl, you got to read this. Girl, this is so good. I just finished it. Or have you read it? Are you, are you reading it yet? It was just so much fun. I loved it so much. Well, and I feel like we did need to lay some of this out just because The magical school is a trope at this point. It's very cliche, but the way she put this spin on it did not feel that way at all. It felt so original and so unique. And I know like when you look up summaries and stuff of this that compare it to Harry Potter, it's nothing like Harry Potter, guys. (laughs) We're rereading the series. I'm telling you, it's nothing like Harry Potter. (laughs) So refreshing. Loved it. I mean, not nothing wrong with Harry Potter. Harry Potter was the essentially our generation's gateway into young adult fantasy. Mm-hmm. Man, this was so much better. I loved all the characters. Like there was some teenage angst, but not like, woe is me, she's not kissing me. It's more like shit, am I gonna die or not today? Kind of teenage angst, you know? Yes. A little bit different. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to take a break because I am dying to talk about the characters and the favorite scenes and everything else. So, guys, when we come back, I might be, like, super hyperactive, excitable because it's such a good book. All right, guys, we'll talk to you in a minute. These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. 
But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. Welcome back, guys. And remember, this half is spoilers. So if you have not read A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik, please, please, please stop. (laughs) Go read the book. Go listen to the book. Do it however you're going to do it. But please don't spoil this for yourself. I promise you don't want to spoil this book for yourself. Okay? Okay. Everybody left should have already read this book. We clear? Let's move on. I think we're clear. I think we're good. Because trust me, guys, I am going to drop some major spoilers in this half. So, like, if you haven't read the book, I'm telling you right now, you better stop listening. Okay, Abby. All right. Ready? Let's do this. All right. Tell me your favorite characters, Mo. Okay. I have to say, L was so fantastic. Like, I I wish L was here in this room and she was our friend and we were hanging out with her. Like, the fact that no one wanted to be her friend really pissed me off because I'm like, I love her. How can you not love her? I mean, she was a little bit self-righteous, not a, a little deep dark in my soul. I'm, I don't want to be turned into a dark sorceress. I'm trying real hard not to be one. But... And I, I could just rip everybody's power and just suck it all into my body and just destroy everything because I am have an affinity for mass destruction. But she's cool because her mom worked real hard with her to make sure she controls her temper and she's very smart and strategic. She's like this little ball of fiery anger and control. And I love her so much. I loved Elle too. She was one of my favorites as well. I love her smarts. I love her wit. Honestly, she reminded me of a much cooler version of myself in, like, middle school. I mean, yes, I completely agree with that. She is very much like you. (laughs) If you had magic, like, you would just be her at this point. Oh, and and you need a Welsh accent as well. Okay, well, I can't promise the accent, but I can do the magic of mass destruction for sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know... I do have to say, I'm kind of disappointed that the book, that she didn't have a Welsh accent because she is from Wales. She grew up in Wales. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely read by an American author with that. And there's no accents done by any of the students. Okay. So that to me does bring down the enjoyment of the audio book. Anyway, it did not take me out of the book. I just had that realization. Sorry about that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. I mean, they didn't do the accent. I wonder if the accent wasn't done because the narrator didn't feel comfortable doing it throughout the entire book or if it wasn't good enough or smooth enough or just like was taking people out of the book Mm -hmm. because that would be a good reason not to do an accent. Yeah. I just don't know. Cause I I just had that realization. Okay. We'll let it slide because L is pretty fabulous. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's a cooler version of me before I had friends. <laughs> yeah, well, she didn't have friends either, so it's understandable. My next favorite character, Abby. Abby, you asked the question, but is there more to the innocent Orion than me, C.I.? Or is he truly as honest as he seems? 
Abby, he is a derby puppy. Like, yes, <laughs> there is nothing more to Innocent Orion. He is what he is. Like, I love him. I love him. I talked about him in the favorite side character episode we did. Like, at first, like, I'm with Elle. I'm like, Orion, you're an idiot. And then, like, you get to know Orion. Like, oh, my poor little derpy puppy. It's going to be okay, buddy. Okay. And listeners, I also have Orion on my list. And I need to tell you something that is going on in our notes. Because we were typing our notes at the same time. And I put, let's be real. He's a dreamboat. And Mo, Mo, my best friend in the world, decided to judge me. She is judging me for calling him a dreamboat just because she called him a derpy puppy. I like derpy puppies. I think they're dreamboats. Oh, I thought it was so much fun. <laughs> so, well, guys, we don't usually do our notes at the same time because I usually just do mine like right before our show and Abby's like super like on top of the ball. But today was a day from hell when you're a parent. And so we got to do them at the same time. And I'm just in here reading and she's like, let's be real. He's a dreamboat. I'm like, really? A dreamboat he's a 16 year old boy but yeah he's a he's a dreamboat for a 16 year old boy literally the notes read let's be real he's a dreamboat wow abby wow <laughs> don't judge me woman i like a derpy puppy judgment <laughs> yeah guys so we, we listen we're, we're weird and we embrace it well <laughs> but yes we both love orion he's great i Love that he seems like such a jock when you meet him. And then as you actually get to know him more, you're like, no, you're actually a good person. I like you. He is. Man. And then, like, another character I really love. So, like, Elle's just a fantastic main character. Orion's a really great side character. And then we meet Adya. And she is smart. She's resourceful. And she's Elle's first real friend at the school. And, like, it took him way too long to form the friendship. I was so... But, like, Anya always kind of held her at arm's length. Because, I mean, like, Elle kind of gives off I'm going to kill you vibes. Even though Elle doesn't mean to give off I'm going to kill you vibes. It just... Elle just has an aura of I'm just going to kill you. And Anya was like, yeah, I couldn't really get past that. But you're actually not bad. And I just... Okay, for one, she's an artifice... Artifice... Artificer... Faster... Art of she makes crap, and I love it because she. There's just something about girls in books who can make who can make stuff and make really cool stuff. So like I'm like, oh, she's just so cool, you know. Mm-hmm. I was very happy with her character. I was kind of surprised that she wasn't friends with Al sooner, but then I considered that. Elle's very much like me many years ago and went, no, never mind. I get it. (laughs) I really love her smarts. I love how her ingenuity with making stuff. And I love how genuine she is when she does become Elle's friend. I thought that was wonderful. I know. I, there's about good female friendships, you know, ones where they're not bickering. They're not crying about a guy. They're not trying to backstab one another. Appreciate that, you know? Wholesome female friendships for the win. That's right. Well, Abby, thank you for speaking about your favorite characters. Would you like to lead us into your least favorite characters? (laughs) Sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
all the kids who are jerks to L. Uh, so basically the enclavers. <laughs> Guys, just so you know, that's not the word we use in our notes because we both use the same word. But you know what? We really try hard to be. We are PG on this podcast anyway. as much as we can be. So yes, jerks. Jerks is the nice word for it. Um, <laughs> there's just so many of these enclaver kids are so stuck up and I get it because their parents have told them they're better than everybody else their entire lives. But, oh, that's so frustrating. And I don't mind the ones like Chloe who are like sort of doing some introspection and showing some remorse and being like, maybe the world isn't quite what I thought it was. And like, I don't really like Chloe, but I don't hate her either because she's, she's better than a lot of them because she actually like apologized, apologizes to Elle and warns her and goes, yeah, this is what's about to happen. You shouldn't go in there. Like I can appreciate that she does that, but I don't like the Enclaver kids that are just trying to suck up to Elle to get close to Orion or are just trying to use her. And I know that's like the general principle of the school anyways, is you're supposed to make alliances and use whoever you have to, to stay alive, but I don't appreciate it from them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I got nothing to even add to that. I just don't like the enclavers. They're all self-righteous. They're all jerks. They only care about power and glory and about themselves. And then how they use the maintenance, maintenance tracks kids. So these maintenance tracks kids are generally kids from independence who are trying to like get their way into an enclave because if you can get into an enclave, you can bring your family with you essentially. And then they will be raised as an enclave member, even though technically like you're like in a debt of servitude to the enclave, but your kids won't be. So your mm-hmm. kids will get to be able to raise in the enclave. It's like, like, I don't know. I guess I have that whole, like, I hate when people treat other people like second class citizens kind of a deal. And and they're all just so stuck up, all of them. And they all have their little yeah. cliques. They're all sitting there, all little little groups in the library. Here's the Baghdad people, and here's London, and here's New York. And, like, and Elle's main mission in the book is she needs to show that she is valuable so that someone mm-hmm. will take her on into an enclave, into an alliance, and hopefully she can join one once she gets out of the school. Mm-hmm. And the way that she paints it, that you're so, that life as an independent is dangerous and it sucks. And, you know, you're much safer if you're in an enclave. And that's kind of like, I don't know. It just, it just kind of made me mad. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also, I really, okay. As much as I like Orion, I appreciated that Novik wrote in a scene where Elle points out to him that he hasn't had to do any of these horrible tasks that most people get assigned on the regular because of the maintenance kids. Mm-hmm. Like he just had no idea because that was his privileged spot. And she pointed it out to him and he went, Oh, like he'd never thought about it before. He'd never Surprise. had to do rounds. He'd never had to do. Oh, so, so what was maintenance? What's rounds? So basically Maintenance is repairing holes in the walls and like 
propping up the magic around the school and doing the little things that need to get done repairs wise, but they're very dangerous to do. And, and why do the kids have to do that? It, well, I mean, there's nobody else in the school except the kids. There's literally just the kids in the school. So they're the ones that have to take care of everything. And if you don't take care of it, it's not good, guys, as we find out later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just really appreciated that she wrote in that scene that specifically, like, uh, called Orion out and made him realize. It's like, he knew he was in a privileged spot, but he didn't fully understand how privileged it was. Like, I, he just hadn't connected the dots. He didn't know that everybody else was doing all these rounds that he didn't have to. So, yeah, I really liked seeing that. And it also helped his character that he went, well, damn, that I didn't realize that. Like, that's horrible. Self-realization. Mm-hmm. It's, it's intense when it happens. Yeah. All right. Should we talk favorite scenes? <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the entire book? Can yes. I say that? Yes, the entire that book. That is a legitimate scene. Yep, the entire book. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> I picked four, which you got a little more frisky. Well, no, you picked five. That's about four. So the entire book was so good. Anyway, number one, Ellen Orion sharing her desk at the library. So, and then her showing him her, it was her special place at the library. So this is significant because... The library is just kind of a scary place. And it's kind of hard for you to get from point A to point B. And you kind of, kind of have to know your path. And the desk is kind of scary, too, because mouths like to hang out in the drawers. Or they like to sneak up on you. And so Elle has a special desk that she goes to that she studies at that's relatively safe. She can put a parameter around. She can has a little light. There's no drawers for things to jump out at her. And she can get a lot of studying done. And she's never shared the space with anyone else. It's like her little private desk. And I like that in the scene, it even mentioned like the desk was big enough for two people. And I was like, oh, she can have Orion sit with her. And I guess maybe that stuck out the most to me because libraries are a special place in general because they're full of books. But to take someone to like your your quiet place, your place of study, your place of work, your place of rest is a big deal, you know? Oh, I agree. That was an adorable scene. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we have scene number two. Elle gets into an epic battle in the library, nonetheless, too. The library. And she gets basically eaten by one of these mal called a mal mouth which is a like uh, i think gelatinous cube from d e is how i imagine it mm-hmm. full of eyes and full of teeth and full of bad things well she kills it from the inside out essentially just blows it up which is awesome but her mm-hmm. her mana and her magic is so unaligned she's so like she just jacked herself up so bad and she ends up Sitting in the cafeteria, she's with Blue and Orion. Adya's there. I think Abraham's there, too. And she does a cleanse that her mom taught her. But she has, like, zero control of what above herself. And Orion is, like, shoving power into her. And she's like, oh, thank you. 
Harlequin like like a little like a little leech just fucking all that power out of him and like blast all of them and like mm-hmm. she was like whoa what happened everyone's just like whoa what happened and she blasts him enough that she hit Lou who's been using who's basically on a malef- malefactor track which means she's sucking the life force out of stuff to make magic instead of like working to build it up like Elda so Elle does like all this crazy exercise so she can build up her mana. And because she, like, blasts Lou with it, it just knocks her from basically kind of turning bad and, like, re-cleanses her and brings her back from the brink of destruction of herself and gains her a friend. And so, like, I love that whole scene because it was, like, I didn't mean to suck your power, Orion, but thank you. And bam, everyone have a happy spell. Like, it was basically a happy pill spell. And everyone got blasted by it. Yeah, I really liked that because I liked the aftermath where Lou was like, I was doing this because I had to, because she didn't want to be sucking the life out of things. But she's like, Mm -hmm. I literally had no other options. I don't have any allies. This is the only way I could get enough power to protect myself and stay alive. And I have a little brother and like, she's trying very hard to do everything she can for her family Mm -hmm. to get into an enclave. And then she's like, Elle cleanses her. And she goes, I don't want to go back. I don't want to have to do that again. And I'm just like, oh, you poor dear. You need a hug. Mm-hmm. And like, and um, Lou's family is so close. They're almost powerful enough to be their own enclave, but they're just not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And so like, they're like just stuck between a rock and a hard place. Well, they want to stay independent, like they want to be their own enclave, but they just don't have the power to be. And it's just like, man, all of it, all that struggle, so good. Mm-hmm. My next favorite scene was the basically Elle is making a magical device with Adya, and it's a mirror, and she's using one of the spells she learns from this book she got from the school that Abby's going to tell you more about. <laughs> but the scene was really interesting because the, it was a really technical, magical scene about transferring, like, the will and the mana from one object to transform into another object to make another magical object. And just, like, watching these two sorcerers work together. Sorcerers, actually. But I loved it. Like, I like a good scene that gets down and gritty into the magical details. Mm-hmm. For me, I really feel like that was one of the biggest lackluster parts of Harry Potter like yay you get a wand you say words but it doesn't go into real deep technical details about it because like you know adults can just wave a wand and you just think you're a tent and boom you can do the spell mm-hmm. which is why I also love the um, the movies the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them a lot more because you can see adult magic mm-hmm. first and you actually I, don't know, I feel like those movies do so well expanding on the wiz- wizarding world and really seeing their magical system then you miss that in the books i love reading about magical systems i love the world building i love the nitty-gritty of how this everything works and man naomi novik does such a good job of world building like every book she does all of her magic 100 mm, percent. Mm-hmm. yeah she does really well with magic systems and i agree it was very fun getting to see more of the technical stuff being done mm-hmm. and then lastly i love the grand 
adventure at the end. You're gonna you gotta go fix the machine in the graduation hall so that it can blast all the mouths a bit so the seniors can get out for graduation because Orion, because he's been saving everybody, the mouths are hungry and there's more than there's ever been because Orion keeps saving everyone, so everyone's pissed at Orion for saving people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you just read that if you don't know about that. And I just like it because A, good teamwork. B, a little heart-wrenching because you lose team members. Three, mm -hmm. lots of guts to make it done. Four, lots of monsters. Five, just like all this daring awesomeness. And they succeed. It was so happy. <laughs> that was a great, like, final high point. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm -hmm. That was so well done. Yep. It made me so happy. All right, Abby. Those are mine. <laughs> you want to talk about yours? All right. I love the first scene where we get to meet Orion. Just <laughs> the level of pissed off that Ella is with him was hilarious to me. <laughs> she is so angry that this jock came in and is killing this monster for her because she's going, I could have handled this myself. What are you doing? You absolute doofus. <laughs> Get out of my room. Get out of my room. Get out of my room. <laughs> Oh, good. I just I love that introduction because it's entirely their dynamic and uh <laughs> it just made me so happy. So a lot of he starts hanging around her and a lot of people just start assuming that they're dating. And she goes along with it because she's like, this gets me like favors and stuff and people trying to suck up to me to get to Orion so sure I'm gonna go with it and she's like man he just must not notice this at all he's just completely oblivious how weird but I'm gonna take advantage of it while I can and eventually he kisses her and she goes wait a minute you were actually dating me <laughs> Like, you weren't oblivious to people saying things? Like, you actually were dating me? <laughs> oh, my God. I was dying. I'm like, oh, my God, Elle, really? <sighs> oh, and he's like, well, yeah. Well, yeah, so. of course my friend said mm -hmm. something to me. And she's like, then why did you? Oh, you thought we were dating. What the? Oh. <laughs> oh. That just made me so happy. It was so good. It was so good. I love them. And she was like, oh, well, okay. We'll just make it work. Uh, and then you talked about the Mal Mouth scene, the gelatinous cube that is not actually a cube. Mm -hmm. It's just the best way. To, it's a glob of death. Yes. It's a glob of death yes. that is not cube shaped. <laughs> but I really liked the scene right before that because the Malmouth is going for the freshman hallway to try and kill the freshman basically and Elle is the only one who notices and the school itself starts trying to distract her and bribe her not to go and save the freshman by offering her this really awesome book with these really cool spells that she knows are going to be amazing. And she takes it and she keeps going. And the school is like, okay, that wasn't enough. So how about 
I send all of these monsters to attack your peers, and you're the only one who can save. And if you save them, like use your power and save them and show off, everybody in an enclave is going to want you in their enclave because that's what she's been wanting is a chance to show off what she can do. And instead, she goes and saves the freshmen where nobody, including the freshmen, even see her. Mm. And I just thought that was such a weird and interesting thing because it shows how sentient the school itself is which is terrifying well and it's even more terrifying that school's like we can sacrifice the freshmen it's fine don't worry about the freshmen it's all good exactly you know a little Mm -hmm. scary a little concerning though i i enjoyed that scene for that and i really loved all the library scenes in general with the position jockeying and how Elle had her own special place. I just, I also really loved how exactly you got a book. Cause like, you don't really get to choose the books that you get. It's all about what the school is going to give you. And so I really enjoyed seeing that in practice. I'm down. That was so good. For one, any novel, that has a library in it. Invisible Library, Terry Pratchett's Library, the Midnight Library. Come on, libraries. <laughs> it's going to be good. Yes. We are never let down by the library. Nope. How can a library let you down? That's what I want to know. Well, maybe a medical terms library could let me down. Yeah, okay. But I mean, like most libraries that have more than just medical terminology in them. Okay, I I can go with that. I was just saying, like, I'm like, mm, I just, I like a medical library. Anyway. I don't know. James might enjoy a medical library. I think it depends on your audience. I'm like, James also reads <laughs> much drier books than we do. So uh, God bless him. God bless my husband. He is not a fantasy fan. <laughs> can we talk about just like the school itself for a minute? Getting good materials you won't necessarily need in exchange for things you do need. Having to constantly think on your toes and about your next step. Weighing the pros and cons of like going to get a shower now or waiting five minutes because you think which one is more dangerous and all the danger versus reward. And those crazy lesson plans where they don't have any teachers. Everything is basically self-taught and you are given books and worksheets and things by the school itself and you just you're learning as much as you can man I'd be terrified to get stuck on a worksheet or a book you know and then you're stuck there for like ever yeah until I die yes (laughs) you die kind of sounds a little rough that's what happens in this school I know it's just like that fine line that Elle had to walk to not make the school think she was taking on another language in case it gave her a book she couldn't read and would get stuck on and wouldn't have any more spells to learn it all. I was just like, oh my God, that's terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. The implications of that. Um, I also love how, because you mentioned this in the beginning when Orion came bursting in, how 
Elle was asking the school for something, and she got a book of cleaning spells. A book of old English cleaning spells that she had to translate into modern English. And she's just like, this is really not that useful. And I love that the school tailors what it's giving to each student because Elle has to ask so many times just to get a cleaning spell because she's getting all these books for all these mass destruction things. And she's like, I don't need mass destruction. I don't need to blow up the school to clean it. I just need to clean the floor. <laughs> right, exactly. Yep. Loved it. Ugh. This, yeah. I, I don't know. I love the world building, you know? Oh, yes. All right, least favorite scenes. Go. Go. Oh, me? Got it. I think the biggest thing for me is when they find, like, the... Mm, not, is that a hole yet? But the weakness in the wall where the mouths are kind of like, ooh, we're going to come bursting in. You know what I mean? And Lou and Adia and Orion, Abraham and Elle are all trying to fix it. So, like, they found it. They put a temporary fix. They went back. They got the materials. Now they're going to come back and actually, like, fix everything. And then these freaking seniors are like, what are you doing? And they're like, let the monsters in so they eat the freshmen so that way we can get through to graduation and i was just like what the hell like you're just gonna sacrifice these babies who cannot defend yourselves whereas you've had all this time and to make weapons and strategies and have enough magic to defeat them like l self-righteous anger and i'm like yes girl yeah you defeat them and then the battle didn't really go very well, you know? It was good. So I think kind of got excited on that. So it's my least favorite scene because of the selfishness of the seniors trying to sacrifice the freshmen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. That's my least favorite part. Just like, I understand you're trying to stay alive, but to sacrifice all the other people is just not okay. No, it's so, it's so awful. <laughs> you know what I mean mm. and then like the the very yeah. last scene Abby <laughs> the freshman come and the, a freshman brings Elle a letter from her mom is on of course a signature thing that her mom was sent on an onion skin letter because her mom's weird and is, she's a hippie and is light and easy to get in and it, all it says is don't trust Orion like bombshell book's done that's it and see, you didn't like that, but me, she ended it there and I went, that was brilliant. Oh my God. I was internally screaming. Like if I had had a physical copy, I would have thrown it against the wall. I got to that line and it ended and I went, what the beep? Yeah. I was so mad. I was not mad. I thought it was a brilliant way to end it. Yeah. I was not pleased. I know, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's good. All right. How many stars do you give it? Well, I would give this six out of five stars. Like, this is my favorite book this year so far. Like, hands down, I loved this book. This is a book I want to reread again. And if I want to reread you, that's good. Like, fantastic. 
loved it. Uh, Naomi Novik did a fantastic switch from her adult fantasy, from her historical fantasy into young adult fantasy. I'm ready. I am dying for the next book, Abby. I loved it. What about for you? Oh, five stars, hands down. Obviously, I'd give it more if I could. Like, this was an absolutely fantastic book. I can't wait for the next one. It was so good. I, oh, my gosh, guys. All right. I hope that if you didn't read the book, listen to the episode that you are so stoked to go read this book. And if you read this book, tell us about reading this book because this book is so good. And I want everyone to share the love of this book with us. That's all I got for you guys this week. What about for you, Abby? That's about it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use, or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.